Download the app, Bet Big, Win Bigger. And I got to tell you, I really like the sound of that. And with WinBet, it's just that easy. WinBet has what you need to win, including boosted same-game parlays for the upcoming NBA action after the football season. So if you're from Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, or right here in Virginia, sign up today to receive this special offer. New users can take advantage of WinBet's Bet $10, Win $200 offer. Just bet $10 and win $200 in free bets. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com. Download the app, bet big, and win bigger. And let's get after it. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Welcome to the Greenlight Podcast. Mm. Macon and Chris will kick the show off with a little national championship review. They recorded it in their respective home studios. You know what that means for Chris. So it'll be a quick five minutes. Just know that Chris and Macon and Nate do the rest of the show from the studio with their normal microphones. Just trust me. After the championship review, Chris and Macon talk about Chris's trip to New York for ESPN's Get Up. Then we'll jump into our first Coors Light Draft segment. We'll have a number of these leading up to the 2022 NFL Draft in this first installment. Chris talks about draft preparation. And then what you all came here today for, Chris and Dr. Fax recap their NASCAR experience. Hey, y'all enjoy. Awesome game. It looked like that last play was being run for Bradley Manick, who slipped and turned an ankle like Baycott. Puff Johnson's out there puking. I think Carolina really did run out of gas, especially after that. A little Duke come down, uh, despite being up 15 at the half. But that was awesome. That was best of all worlds for us. Maximum pain for Duke. Maximum pain for Carolina. I'm relieved. Rock chalk, wave the wheat, great game. Yeah, it was. Uh, the comeback was awesome. I'm not gonna lie. When they went up 40 to 25, I said "fuck this shit," and I stopped watching. And then I saw that it was 46, 45, and I tuned back in. And Remy Martin was balling, and Baycott was was lit. he was like Buddy Lee out there. It was like he just kept rolling the same angle. It's like a scene in a movie where a guy just keeps getting hurt. Um, they did run out of gas and they even had an extra opportunity when uh, buddy from Kansas, Dan Orlovsky on the sideline, 
Yeah, that hurt for uh, for us minus four folks. But I told you money minus- line. Spoiler alert! Oh, I told you money line. Bro, I went money line. I went minus four. I went money line down sixteen points. I went money line down thirty eight to twenty two. So your boy's doing all right. I also went under. I'm also speaking to you. Uh, with a sleeping, with the sleeping pill inside my person and, uh, a heating pad under my back. Cowboy Reed graced my home this evening, saw Zoe rabbit. That's how I'm speaking to you via this microphone. Everything came together when Cowboy Reed came inside the house. And, um, you know, that's true of studio J that's true. Of your crib. It's just, it, it's a great night. What you missed for a, a portion of the game there was, Ochai Jabi, who is now, I believe, the most outstanding player of the Final Four, he went one of three from the line. They were down seven. He went 0 for two from the line. They were down five. But they just kept coming. They, they got out and they ran and they defended, which they did not do in the first half. The first half, it was dumped down to David McCormick, which wasn't working against uh, Baycott. Yeoman's effort from Baycott, but it wasn't working. McCormick got it going in the second half, but and I, told, I, told you, I remember distinctly saying that McCormick guy is really good for them. Uh, I think it was after the, uh, the Creighton game and Mark Titus was like, nah, he's not really who they go through. He just had a good game. He played well the rest of the tournament. He's an old school big. He's, he's huge. He's a glass eater. Got to go back to the basket game. Nice little baby hook. He's a, he's a great player. Remy Martin. Uh, Arizona State to Kansas, high ceiling, low floor, erratic, and was just making everything tonight and was was defending two off the bench. Um, it, it, was, it was sweet. I go back to a Chris Felica, the bear. He tweeted before the tournament started that that region was kind of a mess. If it's not going to be Kansas, who's it going to be? Because you had Auburn and its guards who didn't know their roles. They couldn't win away from home. You had uh, you had Providence and Iowa, really low floors. You had Wisconsin in there who relied on Johnny Davis and was gassed. Ellis, you didn't have a coach, but that was the answer. It was there in plain sight all, all the time. It was going to be Kansas out of that region. And then they had the Jimmies and the Joes to get it done in the Final Four, and uh, they took long enough to get it going. Bill Self looking a little puffy, looking a little puffy. He's going to look puffy tomorrow. He's going to be on Bourbon Street till 8 a.m. A little puffy. I don't know if the I I don't think the quarter zips are working. Frankly, uh, Hubert is, is trying to half turn down his collar on that quarter zip. I I don't think those work. But um, that's neither here nor there. Rock rock chalk rock chalk to the uh, Kansas City Jayhawks, as as Mark Emmert would say. All right. Well, then who's going to win the natty, the natty next year? Oh boy. Um, Arkansas, Woo Pig. Oh, okay. Um, I'm going to flush the toilet now on the, the, the North Carolina Tar Heels. Uh, uh, this is kind of like in, in Hunger Games when, when they play the, the whistle and all the, the people are gone, all the ACC teams are gone. Bradley Manic, your watch has ended. <laughs> When your business is starting its championship run, nothing matters more than finding and hiring the best team. With Indeed, you have the power to build a dynasty 
by hiring more MVPs faster. If you're hiring, you need Indeed, because Indeed is the hiring partner where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed partners with you on every step of the hiring process. Find great talent through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. With Instant Match, as soon as you sponsor a post, you get a short list of quality candidates with resumes on Indeed that match your job description, and you can invite them to apply right away. Plus, you only pay for quality applications that meet your must-have requirements. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. Indeed makes it easy to hire great talent. According to Comscore, Indeed is the number one job site worldwide. Start hiring right now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through April 30th. Go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire to claim your $75 credit by April 30th. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Monday. What do you think happens tonight? Kansas wins, I sure hope, by six points. That team that I was like, I, I bled Carolina blue the other night. Now I have no need for them anymore, so I've got Kansas by about 10 points, yeah. Good, yeah, and that's the lead. Coach K is, is gone. He is no more. We will never see him again or hear from him again. I don't think so. I think we'll hear from him. Well, there's definitely cleaner, crisper. Water tastes better, very hydrated. It uh, this is this is going the way it Sun's should. Shining a little brighter. Yeah, but for some of us in this neck of the woods, a Carolina national title ain't it's much not, better. It's not good because, as I mentioned last week, Hubert Davis. Now he's like the golden child that comes in and, and delivers a national title in the first year, and probably affects the uh, the power balance in the in the ACC. I say that because they were an ace an eight seed this year. Like they're going to be better than that in the near future. Yeah, I mean this disrespectfully. I'm glad that Hubert's the coach. Yeah. Like, I thought he was keeping the seat warm for Wes Miller, mm-hmm. and um, that now is a joke because he's taking his team to the national title game and appears to know what he's doing. I don't I, – I think this is an anomaly. I really do. This is, this is Roy Williams' retirement tour. Now, I don't want to take anything away from Hubert. It's a great job, terrific job, and this team got it going at the right time of year. And uh, they have nice pieces, and they're always going to recruit well. But – I, I don't think that he's building a dynasty here, and, and let's hope we've just discussed uh, his team losing its last game, so, as Duke did. Yeah, respectfully, UNC fans. We appreciate your effort. We appreciate your service this weekend. For sure. We'll give you a voucher somewhere, like maybe a free 32-ounce uh, Coke. And, and they, don't, they don't even need that yeah. from us because they have everything they will ever need from here on out. They, they ruined Coach K's final game at home. They beat him in the Final Four. Bancaro said, I want UNC again. Right, not going to happen. Beautiful, poetic. I mean, they lose on free throws. Those are like the biggest fundamental things. That's what Coach K would tell you. In the universe. Not for that damned Mark Williams. To knock down. He'd be a national title six times over, a national title winner. And they didn't get the uh, the N1 down the stretch, which oh. in the NBA would have been an N1, so people suspended reality for a moment and were like, well, if this was the NBA... Well, it's and not. I didn't, I didn't have any timeouts because I used them all to yell at the referees. Hey, let's move on, dude. They didn't you know, give like, me the calls like they normally do. Let's move on, dude. You if, know, if I, they I had had the if the if the referees had had a better game, we wouldn't be in this situation and would have had a couple of timeouts to tell Mark Williams, "Hey, Mark, don't miss these free throws, you pussy." That's how he talks to his players. Right. Right. 
It's not um, about me. It's about my, 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 my players who missed the free throws who cost me the game on my farewell tour. And on the other side of things, Kansas, obvious champions tonight. Uh, that's the one way I'm going to make this really interesting. I just feel like, I just feel like this is a big letdown. Although it's going to be a great basketball game in a vacuum, we know what just happened Saturday night, and we know how long we waited for that rematch. And it felt like at a certain point in the tournament when certain teams lost, it was like a formality that these two teams would have to face each other. And, uh, and, and we would enjoy it mightily, especially if the, the outcome was what we saw Saturday night. This game feels like even with an eight seed in that thing and you didn't, you didn't think so, but it's the perfect kind of eight seed to get into it because it's an eight seed that actually is going to make a competitive ball game, we hope. There's some really exciting players on both sides of the court. There's two blue bloods. I just don't care as much. So I'm going to be hammering Kansas seven ways. Money line or? I'll wait till game time when they incentivize me to bet the Jayhawks money line and I, and I will hammer it. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I was thinking about other like championship games that were so great. I mean, I feel like the Seattle-San Francisco game pops into my head because wasn't that the, the, the NFC championship that preceded the Denver Broncos ass kicking? I mean, everybody's looking around in this room. Reed knows the answer. That was the same year, Reed, when you guys got beat by the Seahawks. That was a week or two after Richard Sherman and Aaron Andrews met. That's right. That was one of the best games ever. Best games ever. I think the AFC game was no slouch either. But nothing that, you know, from a quality of game standpoint, all that stuff. Last year we had the Jalen Suggs half-court buzzer beater, which is something that you almost forget because it was the a weird kind of like pandemic time. There were no fans in the stands. And then the absolutely forgettable national championship. Blowout. 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 There have been some others. Kentucky-Louisville met in 2012. That was followed up with a Kentucky-Kansas Kansas on the on the other end of these monster Final Four matchups, uh, VCU Butler in 2011, low key lit. Yeah, eight and eleven going up against yep. each other. Yep, don't know who was in the final there. 2001 Butler. The 2011 two. was when Butler lost to uh, Kemba Walker. Yeah, that was the ugliest. Mm. That was one of the ugliest national championships of all time, and I put that up there with the Georgia Tech UConn national championship in 2004. So like UConn gets in a natty, it's just not going to be fun. Same thing with Butler. Also, that was a horrific uniform mashup. The darkest blue and white. Right. This is going to be gorgeous. This was gorgeous Bulldog tonight. Husky. Two this breeds was gorgeous. Of dogs. This is going to be gorgeous. This is going to be, as you said, absolutely. Uh, this is a Bevel Conway. In the, no doubt in about the it. So now I just i I hope you've done well. I hope you've won. Yeah, but, I hope we won. But Carolina is is just dangerous. Caleb Love is love. Yep stones for days yep doesn't doesn't give a hoot where he is on the floor he'll let it fly they kind of treat like three pointers like u.s currency yeah it's just like they're i mean we don't value them there's like an inflation of three pointers on that team i mean like Mm -hmm. at least watching the duke game is that how they played all year they just run and gun throw it up there four around one yeah i mean this is going to be this is going to be a fun game objectively i'm talking myself into it baycott's dinged up baycott's dinged up which isn't great. Baycott. Kudos to him. I thought he was dead, and then he came back. Love but I, I, Trinity Episcopal, by the way. Dude, he's from Richmond. Mark Mark Williams from the 7-5. Yeah, dude. David McCormick from the 7-5. There's a lot of Virginia kids starring in other uniforms. Yeah. Bring some of them home. Yeah. Football, too. That'd help. Same. Yeah, with you. Okay, so big week. 
jam-packed week. It ended with NASCAR yesterday, our yesterday, making sat that one out. Thanks for returning to Studio J. Yeah. You're, at, you're at WrestleMania of some sort. You're at uh, Get Up on yeah. ESPN. You're at Richmond Raceway for NASCAR. Yeah. You're at, uh, I'm forgetting things. Well, Superstar. yeah, there was a lot of shit this week. There was a ton of shit. Some shit we can't even mention yet. Like Kyle having a kid, actually. We can mention it because he tweeted. I was like, I don't think we're going to be talking about Kyle Long having a... Congrats, Kyle. Congratulations, Kyle. Kyle had a kid. I saw wrestling in person. Uh, I had to go to New York. And the NASCAR thing, which is going to be the best part of the show, uh, no shade. Nah, none I mean, taken. Like, this open's going to be fire, but the NASCAR uh, accounting is going to be incredible, including Dr. Fax, and, and uh, we'll bring him back in for that in a few minutes. Let's talk about Get Up. Because holy shit, TV is different. It's way different. I kind of like podcasting, honestly. Why? Well... Uh, 5.05 alarm clock. Where were you, st how far away were you staying? I was staying pretty close to that beautiful building they have down there. When you see Get Up on TV, it's right next to the Haba. But the yeah. backdrop is not real, it's I've not been real. told. That was the biggest revelation for me. One, it's early. Two, those aren't real boats in the background behind Mike Greenberg's head. It's not that they're not real boats. It's just the fact that it's a fucking computer screen and it's incredible because the last oh, few God. years I've been watching Get Up and thinking, man, it's well, always sunny and there's a bunch of fairies just like populating that backdrop. It's perfect. How did they get it that way? Do they have different videos for cloudy days, fake cloudy days? I don't know. I got to keep track of that, but it was kind of overcast and on the screen it was sunny. The last couple years you were watching Get Up. It had an exclamation point. They've oh, done away. You, you noticed stuff they like that. They went away with uh, that. It, it's a fun show. I, I love being on there with uh, Diana, uh, who we know, friend of the program, Teddy Bruschi, Dan Graziano, uh, Mike Tannenbaum, another friend of the program in the past. And just like Chris Canny. I mean, like I'm sitting next to a guy and Chris Canny, who showed me the ropes in 2004 at Virginia, and I'm sitting next to a guy who's grown into this immense tv talent that's gone toe-to-toe -to -toe with like stephen a smith and he's able to help me kind of like along the way my second day at get up but i did two days they were morning shows uh they were largely a lot of fun i was in two different suits that hasn't happened in a long time and my alarm clock went off before 7 a.m did you were you able to walk to the studio or did they send a car for you they sent a car what time was the car there the car was there uh around i want to say 6 15. So you needed the hour 10 to shower. Now the problem is I had to shower, get my suit on, and we have a 6 a.m. call. So I take the call and then I get to the studio. So there's a lot that goes into shows like that. They have tremendous producers just like we do here. Uh, shout out to those guys and they, they had me ready to roll. And it's Chris, be thinking about X, Y, and Z? Yeah, you get a little intel on what's going on the night before. Of course, the first night... I was there, the Bruce Arians thing dropped. Right. So we had all these really fun exercises that were very off-season-y, like rank these teams, do this, do that, you know, talk about the trades. And so I had kind of like done all my research and then Bruce Arians decides that he's gonna step down around dinner time and I'm getting ready to try to go to sleep. And by the way, I can't sleep in that city, dude. I can feel the, the people. The city lit literally never sleeps. The city never sleeps. Bruce Arians is stepping down. Let's hit that first. Okay. before we finish with get up but like you see that the first time what do you think that tom has stepped down bruce arians yeah he he was like hey come down here will you step down for a second yeah 
I do think there was at least a nudge, uh, but I think there's a big difference between a nudge and a push. I think this happened as cordially as it could have. I think that Bruce probably immensely respects Tom Brady. I think that Tom Brady probably appreciates Bruce Arians when it came to you know, football and calling plays and that sort of thing. Tom Brady's extremely particular. He's been doing this a long time. He's the GOAT. He has his way of doing things. I wondered before it started how this was going to work out. And it worked out swimmingly. They come out of it with a Super Bowl, like mission accomplished. So I do think, although they probably part ways, and I don't know what the sequencing was, whether he, you know, talked about, you know, what he needed to happen before he went to the Man U soccer game, or if the timing, uh, you know, they, they teased this out, so they gave it some distance from Tom ruining Selection Sunday and coming out of retirement. Like, I don't care how it happened. I really do think everybody's a winner here. I really do think that. I think, number one, uh, Tom Brady's a winner. He gets what he wants. He's had a really good relationship with Byron Leftwich. And on top of that, Tom Brady's going to become the closest thing to uh, an offensive coordinator under center in league history, in my opinion. And I just mentioned Byron Leftwich, who was was in, in talks with Jacksonville and kind of got out at the last second due to what we thought was a disagreement, like maybe on a philosophical level with Trent Baalke, who's made some great picks over the years, but uh, you know, in San Francisco, I think was where he was last time when we, we used to play San Francisco, they had one of the most talented rosters in the league. Whatever that disagreement was, seems to be the thing that kept him from getting that job or taking that job. Obviously they ended up with Doug Peterson. So what I'm about to say is, I know this is confusing to some people who can't think in nuance, and I said this on Get Up, is like Byron Leftwich kind of wins because of this. Byron Leftwich could have had the Jacksonville job. People say, ah, oh, Chris, you said this is a great fit for Doug Peterson. Doug Peterson, congratulations. He's the guy for the job. This is a decent job. And then for Byron Leftwich, it's not. Well, I think the simple fact that you're missing is that Byron Leftwich has never done this before. And I think that's north of a zero um, equation in my head. I mean, like Jacksonville is a bit of a shit show. They've already spent monopoly money on, you know, uh, non-premium positions on the defensive side of the ball from defenses that weren't great. They paid Christian Kirk $18 million. They paid your guy, Evan Ingram, $9 million. Um, they paid Brandon Sheriff, who's a really good player, but hasn't been healthy. Like, this is not how you want to win, but you have to invest in that rookie quarterback. So on one hand, I get it. I think that Byron Leftwich will have better opportunities in a, in a calendar year because he's going to get due credit for working with Tom uh, and Bruce Arians is gone and uh, the jobs will be better. I just have to figure there'll be a better job. So we got Tom a winner, Byron Leftwich a winner, Bruce Arians a winner because he goes out, whether he wanted to do this, whether this was part of his five-year plan or not, he goes out a guy that's always done right by his assistants. He certainly didn't hand Todd Bowles this job. Todd Bowles earned this job but he is looking out for Todd Bowles in a sense in not fighting this thing, the timing of it, and leaving this team in the division that it plays in in a better position than where he found it uh, and continuing his legacy and doing this thing the right way. Most coaches don't know when to get out. Bruce Arians is 70 years old. He played on a fucking bum Achilles last year. He coached on a bum Achilles last year. On top of all this speculation, why can't a guy just want to ride off into the sunset and have another glass of whatever it was he was, whatever the emoji was he tweeted at Tom, and who knows how long that fucking congratulations Bruce was in his uh, drafts. I think that's my biggest burning question. In Bruce's words, succession is way more important to me. This has been my dream for a long time. I wanted one of my guys to take over. That's more important to me than anything. You think he's a Greg guy? Bruce Arians 
would no, he's be, a Logan guy. Yeah, he, he's, he's definitely a Logan Roy he, guy. He's 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 Logan, which and and he's been pushed out by by is Tom Brady is Greg the Egg? No, is Tom Brady Tom Wamsgans? Who, who? But yeah, nice one of, square chin. Yeah, one yeah. of those guys that pushed it. But yeah, so he's a big succession guy. I think. Uh, I think that's the cynical take, and it's probably on a level the true take that there was some sort of nudging out the door. But that doesn't mean that everybody's not super happy in the end. Like, talk to Bruce Arians in a calendar year, the guy that when he retired the first time in Arizona was like, I miss my family. How do you think he feels about his grandkids and that sort of thing at 70-something years old? This is a great opportunity. 69, Yeah, to be fair. Exit stage left. How many dog well, years? Sixty nine. You you're like if you're yeah. like somersault. Yeah, you're doing somersault. Exit. Yeah. Up and over. Yeah. Up and yeah. over. I got it. So Bruce Arians, good for him. He's always done things the right way. He's always been on the right side of history. And I think like, and I paid attention to the phrasing here. Some people have said like he handed Todd Bowles a job, that sort of thing. He handed Todd Bowles the keys. Uh, but Todd Bowles earned this car. He earned it when he when he fought valiantly as the Jets head coach in a division with Brady. His quarterbacks. Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick, McCown, Darnold, a little bit of Bryce Petty. Yeah, dude, he won 10 games with Ryan Fitzpatrick. I mean, that might have been Ryan's best year. And I, you know I think the world of Ryan, but it's not even like he had him a long time. Like Todd Bowles is somebody who's universally respected by the people that played for him. He's also respected by football fans, and he's respected by the people in that building. And this is why the, you know, I think the Bucks actually get better because I think Todd Bowles is gonna be a great coach. I think that the separation of church and state between defense and offense is gonna be really clean and easy for that team. You think about that, like if the head coach is an offensive guy, that's like every moment that Bruce Arians is spending fighting battles with Tom Brady over the game plan is a moment that he's not game planning for the entire team, You know, worrying about all the other stuff that head coaches have to worry about. And I'm not saying it was a constant battle, but I think that the Todd Bowles marriage will be great. A lot of people have also said Todd Bowles is kinda of like, a Belichick kind of guy, like he's a hard ass, and maybe Tom came around and realized that he needed that. I don't think that's the case. I think Tom might think that the team needed that, but Tom doesn't need that. What Tom needs is for people to get the fuck out of the way, I think. And their, so, de their demeanors from the TV tape appear to be similar. Yeah, no question, and Todd's no bullshit. And I'm, I'm just really excited for Todd Bowles. I'm excited for Todd Bowles. I'm also excited if I'm a Bucks fan because you don't even have to get better. Like you just could stay the same and you'll probably be in the Super Bowl. The NFC has taken a step back. You know, we've talked about uh, Devontae Adams. We've talked about Aaron Rodgers, uh, him not having uh, a number of targets to throw to. You know, guys like Zedarius Smith, you have to replace. Last year, they were as good as they possibly could have been in my, in my mind. I thought they were really good. I thought they would win the Super Bowl at different junctures in the year. And they went one and done at home against the Jimmy G led Niners. So uh, look around the league, you know, NFC East, I, you know, giving a nod to the Eagles with some upside here, but I don't see a Super Bowl contender in the NFC East. I just don't believe the Cowboys. I'm sorry. Uh, in the NFC West, the team that just won the Super Bowl is the Rams, right? And so the other day on Get Up, I said this I said, who are the teams in, in the NFC? I saw this second. Yeah, and I, I, I really do believe that if Jimmy G remains in, in San Francisco, which from people in the know I hear is like, it's a possibility. It's not, it's not a foregone conclusion they ship him out of there, which also says something about Trey Lance and maybe what they, what they think at this juncture. If Jimmy G's back there, they beat the Rams damn near three times last, last year. I mean, they really were almost in the same position they were in 2019. So it's a big deal that, the Niners are still a fucking a tough team. And in the NFC, there's not a lot of them. 
the Rams, I'm playing the averages if I put the Niners ahead of them. Uh, I'm playing the averages, meaning how many teams come back the year after they win a Super Bowl and actually get better? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of them that kind of hover around the same amount of wins. I look back, there were some that over the last 10, 15 years that maintain kind of a pace, but to go into the playoffs and then do it again is really hard. These are really long seasons. The longest season we've ever had just got extended for these guys, right? They've also lost Odell Beckham Jr., uh, Robert Woods left, and Matt Stafford is an older guy who I really believe was banged up last year. You don't believe it? Look at his tape in the playoffs and look at it in the middle of the year when people were saying he was banged up. Everybody laughed it off and were like, people are caping for Matt Stafford. No, they weren't. He's really fucking jacked up. He played a decade in Detroit. So... I think that doesn't get any easier for him. I'm not saying I'm thinking he's going to get hurt or predicting an injury. I'm just saying, like, when you have a quarterback who's who's that weathered, just went through all this, he got fucking obliterated some games last year, he might be dinged one or two games. So, like, if you're going to bet win totals, which is what we were talking about, I would take the slight under on the Rams' win total. I got an over for you. Well, give me it. Minnesota Vikings. You know, it's fucked up. I think it's time to jump off of that that anti-Vikings bandwagon. Mm -hmm. I have no idea why they paid Kirk Cousins. I don't think they're good enough to contend for a Super Bowl, but they might fuck around and be like kind of a pain in the ass. And Kevin O'Connell or whatever the hell his name is could be great. It's another guy that that, that knows Sean McVay and those guys, but he's tall. Yep. That's the only thing about him. I like that. Speaking of shorter kings, we're going to get to Mike McDaniel in a second and Tua and all that stuff because I know some people have been patiently waiting for that. But I do want to mention Bobby Wagner joining the Rams, which is something that happened while I was there at Get Up. I think Bobby Wagner's a big signing for them for a few reasons. Anytime you can snag a Hall of Famer from a division rival, like that's a thing of beauty. On top of that, they have ball players, like real bona fide Hall of Fame ball players at every level of defense. Now you got Jalen Ramsey, you have Bobby Wagner, you have Aaron Donald, obviously. He's also going to help because they haven't had great linebacker play. His production in the field, it's untold. Anytime a guy north of 30 is changing schemes, he might not be the Bobby Wagner in his prime, but here's where he helps them the most, dude. I just mentioned how hard it is to repeat. That Seattle defense basically, for all intents and purposes, won two Super Bowls in a row. Basically, for all intents and purposes, only counts horseshoes and hand grenades. I got it. When Seattle's defense left the field and handed the keys to Russell Wilson, you look at them at the one-yard line. I mean, we know the deal. I'm not going to go backwards. Uh, but they basically did their job and put them in a position to win two Super Bowls. And that LOB kind of kind of team that broke up along the way, he was probably their best player, if I'm being honest. Through all the years, their best football player in LOB is probably Bobby Wagner. He's going to be the guy that can show them how to do that. He's going to be the guy that's going to show them, like, here are the ways that we got fat and happy, you know, the year after we won that Super Bowl, here are the ways that, you know, here are the, the things that even the fans didn't hear about that happened in the locker room because these things happen all the time. Like, not every everything that happens in the locker room gets outed by an unnamed source. Like, in 2018, we were trying to, to defend a Super Bowl. That was so challenging. Like, immediately, coaches go into, we don't look backwards, we don't even talk about the Super Bowl that's going to get us complacent. We're going to make mistakes as a result. And then there's a bunch of like, we don't get complacent signs on the wall, which of course remind you of the Super Bowl. Correct. And and all the coaches are doing, you know, book deals and the players doing book deals. And I'm not saying that's why you don't repeat, but I'm saying it's not something that you can ignore. It's an elephant in the room that you have to address and you have to address it the right way and say, we are defending Super Bowl champions. That happened. It's about what we do this year. And 
Bobby Wagner knows how to go about doing that that year. So I really think that he helps the, the Rams in a lot of ways. And now he's got the Seahawks twice. And as you will remember, he wasn't, he wasn't thrilled with the way that exit happened. And I agree. That, that was bullshit. I mean, we've talked about it on this pod, but like anytime you've got the best player on the, the, one of the best, most historic defense of all time and that gifted Schneider and, and Carroll Super Bowl rings and Russell Wilson and all those guys, I'm not saying he gifted Russell Wilson and he didn't do anything or anything like that. I do think you got to show more appreciation for, for, the, for the straw that oftentimes stirred the drink for you. John Schneider did take blame for it and Which said he should fine. have handled it differently. And he also said it's, it's a little bit different when a player represents himself. And I can get that. Yeah, you can if you're actually working a trade. Right. Like you're not was releasing not a player. Like I for totally sure. get it. If Richard Sherman is, is his own agent and I come to Richard Sherman, like I'm not going to give him all the details of what's in the works because you lose leverage. And you it's might bring him back. You. Yeah, you could bring him back. But once you've decided you can't trade Bobby Wagner, the first place I go is, is, is to his house, you know, like, or I call him on the phone and I tell him, you're being released. I like was not Jeff Bobby Fisher. Wagner, but Jeff Fisher called me immediately. I learned about it from Jeff Fisher. I was fucking running an errand. Like, I knew I was probably not part of the team's plans next year. I told you I lived in a hotel the last couple months of the season because I had to sell my place. We were, team was moving. I was hurt two years. So I knew the writing was on the wall. And maybe Bobby did too, for a number of reasons. Not that his exit was as disastrous as mine on the field, but like Bobby Wagner deserved that call. It's a little thing, but it goes a long way. Should we talk about two and on? Yeah, of which I am a member. You are, okay. That's good to know. Well, good to know. and I was hoping maybe we could pop over to nflshop.com and maybe get me a little bit of gear. Like it, some Tua? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Cool with you? Like on the green light budget? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You for want sure. me to budget into the green light budget <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tua gear? Yep. Please. No problem. Okay. Because I want to lean all the way into this thing. But out of the two biggest wide receiver moves, I like this one way better than Tyreek Hill to Miami. I think it's great for Tyreek in Miami, but there's a guy that can throw him the ball in Vegas. And, and, oh. and what Tyreek does is he takes the top off defense. That doesn't really match up with what they do there. Mm-hmm. Like, first off, I was on uh, Get Up, as we've been talking about, and we were talking about Devontae Adams' trade, which I think some people initially, it stuck in my head that people were critical of Devontae Adams' decision-making. Like, why would you want to leave Aaron Rodgers to go to Vegas, where we've been down this road? They won the same amount of playoff games last year. They played in the same amount of playoff games uh, last year. Um, Derek Carr is a really good quarterback that I don't think gets enough uh, credit. I think a lot of people shit on him. Uh, so when I was discussing the Devontae Adams trade, I said I like it better than the the, the other trade uh, when it came down to elite wide receivers changing teams this year. That's not to say I hate the move. That's not to say uh, I hate Tyreek Hill or I hate Tua. I like the other trade better. Now, if it came across disrespectful to Tua, the only pe- person I'd like to apologize to is Tua. Like, because I really like Tua. I actually love Tua as a guy from, a, from afar. And everything I've heard about Tua... As, as a dude from coaches and players has been positive as far as like, and I could see that without asking my peers. I mean, we've talked about it on this show all the time. This guy's been through a ton of shit. You know, I was a top five pick. I know how many things are stacked against you. I know the context that, that you can color in um, a lack of production when a player's not getting it done as a top five pick. I, that was me for a year and a half for sure, dude. Uh, but I also wasn't a quarterback. And like, you, you, you can't have a ceiling as a quarterback and expect people not to point it out if you're a top five pick. If you have a ceiling as a, 
as a position player, as a top five pick, I think most people eventually get down with the fact that like, oh, he's not a bust, but you know, he, he's a really good player or he's somebody that can help our team and we're happy we have him. Maybe we would have rather had XYZ player. It, it doesn't work like that with quarterbacks. You pick Tua right after you, you passed up Justin Herbert. And at the moment, I think what makes this really tough for people to hear any criticism of Tua is that's something they know very well. And they also knew that when they drafted Tua, they probably felt like, we just hit the jackpot. Everybody tanked for Tua, right? That was the whole thing. And what came out of it was Tua for Miami. They never expected he'd be there, but he was there. And so people got really excited. And I think what we found over the last two years is that he has a little bit of a ceiling. He can't make all the throws. These are the things he had to deal with. Poor offensive line play. Who, by the way, I mean, some of my peers in sports media would point out that when they pointed that out in 2020, they got drugged by Dolphins Twitter over this. Uh, and it turned out to be absolutely true that the offensive line was dog shit. So the offensive line's been dog shit, which happens on bad teams. Sorry, I watched it with Sam Bradford. I don't feel sorry for anybody. Um, the comparison to Herbert's unfair, uh, but it is what it is. You had Fitzy. You had the back and forth in 2019 where... Fitzy kept winning games. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders game is the one that, that sticks out in my head as being the most kind of like tough one if you're Tua because... It was a big game for them. They were fighting for their playoff lives. They were struggling off and on through, throughout the game. And Fitzpatrick comes in, and I think this was the second time there was a quarterback change throughout the course of the year, and he lights it up. You know, remember the, the, the broken neck catch on the left sideline? But Fitzy just had, like, the veteran magic. He seemed to be more of a gunslinger. He seemed to, guy, to be a guy with the same coordinator, who, by the way, and to his support, was not to his coordinator. It was Chan Gailey. It's... It's Fitzpatrick's coordinator. Uh, he's the guy that seemed more comfortable. Shocker, but Tua just didn't seem to want to push the ball down the field. And I know some people are like, God damn it, Chris. National media has been saying this for months. Well, don't you think maybe national media has been saying it for months because it's a thing? I got accused of copying takes, dude. I don't need to copy takes. Maybe there's a, there's a reason there are a multitude of people questioning Tua's arm strength. And by the way, these are people that that I've texted and reached out to that are in football or played with Tua or like, and all have good things to say about Tua. He's just not a fucking arm arrogant guy. How many quarterbacks would you rank ahead of him in arm arrogance in the NFL? So when I say on get up that when Tyreek goes to Miami, I worry that you're shipping a quarterback who's on a prove it year, who hasn't made all the throws, who hasn't thrown the ball deep with regularity you're, you're losing a little bit of the, the top-end production from a guy that, yes, catches a ton of balls next to the line of scrimmage. We get that. I've seen the numbers, dude. Like, Tyreek Hill is going to help you guys. It's going to be a yactory, dude. A yactory. Trademark that. Jalen Waddell. Gasecki, Cedric uh, Wilson. Wilson. Uh, you've, got, you've got now Tyreek Hill. I know this fits his skill sets in a lot of ways because you want yak. You've got to be able to get the ball out quick. That's what he does. He's relatively accurate in the short game. He's run a ton of RPOs. He, he ran that stuff at Bama. He, he can hit those slants, and this isn't like a backhanded compliment. Some guys are just those guys. If, if Tyreek Hill had gone to New England, I would have lamented the fact that Josh Allen isn't throwing Tyreek Hill a fucking deep ball. We're going from Patrick Mahomes to Tua Tagovailoa. That's fair as fuck to point out that it's a little less sexy to see – you know, somebody who can throw the ball up 70 yards, I'm exaggerating a little bit, every arm angle off the spot and get Tyreek the ball, broken plays, the whole thing. Not everything has to be a bubble screen, man.
you know, or a slant. And it's fine that that's your meat and potatoes, but I'm just pointing out that Tyreek could have been traded somewhere that I'd be a little bit more excited to see him play. Now, that doesn't mean he's not going to help you guys. I think you'll be better this year. You'll still probably not win a playoff game uh, because the AFC, if you haven't noticed, you need a guy, dude. And I'm not even saying Tua sucks. I'm just saying, where do you rank him in the AFC as far as quarterbacks are concerned? And yes, I know that some of this thing has been like a broken record, but there's a reason people have questioned him being able to make all the throws. Don't send me Bama throws, middle of the field, 50 yards. Don't send me... Uh, seven shots that he took last year because that sample size is too small. And by the way, I had a guy say, well, he hit four of seven of his shots last year. That's tops in the league in efficiency. Maybe there's a reason that sample size is so fucking small, man. So I like, listen, guys, I don't hate Tua. You're going to make me hate Tua, which would be highly unfortunate. I don't even want to root against Tua, but you fucking goobers are going to make me root against Tua. Because you don't know football. I totally get it. And I've read the articles about how, yeah, I read an article in Sports Illustrated today about how, well, Tyreek's not even a take the the top off the defense type of guy. Look at his 2021 stats, which were, by the way, among the lowest in his career. Actually, the lowest in his career, I think, since 2018 when they started tracking air yards. So it's been a few years, which is part of the reason I suspected, as I point out, his yards per catch or yards per attempt were the lowest since since a few years ago, that maybe Kansas City was like, all things good things must come to an end. They're also playing coverages differently in Kansas City because of the guy under center. Like, I don't know if Tyreek and Jalen are going to affect coverages as much as they would elsewhere because of the guy under center throwing the football. And do yes, with two crow hops and time and the offensive line being better, Tool will be a better deep ball thrower, no question. But don't tell me that he can leave the spot and hurt you from anywhere outside the pocket 30 yards down the field. Nope. Don't be mad at me. Be mad at your front office that they took two over Justin Herbert. I even like the kid. I'm uncomfortable. There's not a player in the league I'd, I'd, I'd like to be doing this segment about less. But he has a ceiling. And this year we're going to find out if, it, if it's him or somebody else. And that's been said out loud. They were trying to trade for a guy with 21 fucking civil cases. You know who the other guy they were trying to replace with that guy was? Baker Mayfield. So I'm just letting you guys know. Baker Mayfield and Tua, totally different kind of guys, but for different reasons, guys with ceilings. And that's why your team was looking to move on as, as recently as this offseason. Do you think McDaniel feels like he's upgraded his QB position or downgraded it? I don't know. You honestly, you'd have to ask him, and I don't even know if I'm that. I don't even know if I'm comfortable making that determination because they're kind of different players. But, and I honestly think Jimmy throws a little bit better deep ball than Tua. But that's not really like where Jimmy lived. I think McDaniel might be the perfect guy for the job here. If you're going to get something out of Tua, and you're going to realize his potential on a given team, like you need to have a yactory. You need to get people open. You need the run game to be really solid. That's what he did in San Francisco. They added the running backs. They tried to upgrade the offensive line. Can Armstead stay healthy? Can they stay healthy? You know, are guys going to buy into this style of play that they've thrived with in San Francisco? I also think they'll probably tailor the offense like any good coach would to Tua. So do I think he'll improve this year? Fuck yeah. Do I think you're going to win a playoff game? Fuck no. Do I think you're going to win a Super Bowl? Uh, well, most of you are alive. Probably not. It's like fucking rolling the dice. I, I, I don't think so. 
And I think that's fair to say, look at the AFC. You're going to tell me you're winning that division? If you're not going to win the division, how many playoff games you got to win? Do the math here. Four. So what the fuck? Do we, you're going to beat Josh Allen, Russell Wilson. You're going to beat Burrow. You're going to beat like Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes. Like, Dude, you have to have a dude in the AFC. So y'all need to fucking wipe your tears and know that you can expect me to anon. Expect me. I will be here all fall. Anytime he underthrows somebody, I'm going to be an asshole about it. And I didn't even want to do that because I love Tua, but I'm going to be a fucking dickhead about it, dude. Yeah, so expect us. Yeah, expect Yeah, expect you. Um, the last time we saw Tua be excellent, Yeah, he had Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs, Jalen Waddell, Najee Harris in the backfield. That's when he threw 33 touchdowns. Yeah, Tutties, just I remember that. Was it Ole Miss? So now he's surrounded by similar talent. Bro, you're pulling out fucking, you're pulling tape from, sure, from the 8 sure, millimeter sure, sure. film that you got to load into a, like it's in a canister. The tape that people have been handing me is in a canister. It's before the pandy. Donald I, Trump was president. But I got Mike McDaniel now with Raheem Mostert, Chase Edmonds. It's going to be better. Miles Gaskin. It's going to be better. It's is he be a better. good deep ball thrower to and on? Well, I'm just saying, and I understand their yards. It's not as if they're going to stop running with Tyreek Hill on a flag route. Like, they're going to run with them. No question. Things and are going to be And he's going to run up. jet sweeps and all this stuff. They're going to open things up. Answer a couple yes or no questions okay. to me. Is Tua a top 10 quarterback? In the NFL? Yeah. No. Is he a top 10 quarterback in the AFC? Yes. Let's do it. Okay. I've been doing this for three days now. Okay. I haven't done this okay. once. Okay. I got Josh so, Allen is in there. Yep. I'm going to go by division, AFC East. I'm not putting Mac Jones ahead of him. Are you? I don't know, man. I okay, might. that's a close one. Yeah. Okay, we'll come back. I probably would, dude. I'm uh, putting Mac Jones ahead of Tua. Okay, Lamar, yes. I said that week one, too, of the season. And I said it respectfully as I could, but I said Mac Jones is going to be a better pro. Okay, I got Lamar, yes, yes. better. Joe Burrow, yes, yes better. Four. Deshaun Watson, yes, Five. better. Whoever's in Pittsburgh, no. No. Davis Mills, no. Eventually. <laughs> that's my guy Davis expect Mills though. Us, okay. expect yourself oh Davis Mills actually my guy you know remember I are said, you fucking kidding said, me are you trying said, to my guy him. my guy I said yeah, take right. him you high. didn't say take, take him I you said he's my take favorite him. quarterback you didn't say take to somebody. can he be our guy sure Greenlight pod guy Davis Mills uh, the quarterback guess, in Indianapolis is Matt Ryan. Ryan yes this year dude mm. I'll say no okay but it's on the edge it's on the It's you're thinking about it Okay. So we're at five. Trevor Lawrence. I say no. Okay. It's a difficult one, though. Have we gotten to the AFC West yet? Not yet. Okay. <laughs> Ryan Tannehill. I'd rather have Tua. Okay, dude. Well, so, okay. We'll leave it to you. We'll, okay. Good take. Sure. Good take. Enjoy that one. Go to the next quarterback. I'm not even going to count that one. Russell Wilson. I'd rather yes. have Russ. Yes. Mahomes. I'd rather have yes. Mahomes. Derek Carr. Give me Derek Carr. Yes. Which also was the point I was making, essentially. Herbert's. Herbert, give me Herbert. Yeah. Where are we? Nine? We're at nine. Two a ten. Two a ten. Two a ten. Two a ten of Iowa. But in the AFC, I We're mean, to your point. For, yes, so. It's the year 2022. They're not that. The I year mean, of I'm sure our everyone Lord, will make the playoffs the in The year decade, of our Lord. But we're not there yet. And where would you rank him in his division? We said it. Possibly third. Maybe second. He, at the end of the season, he could be the second best quarterback in the division. Because I do think there's an inevitable dip when it comes to our friend Mac Jones. I mean, like, unless they really load up a receiver. And by the way, De Devontae Parker, how did Miami feel about him shipping him in the division, man? Holy right. shit. But uh, Not always healthy, Devontae. Right here on this website, I have 
Tua 13 on Steelers Wire. They have Mitch Trubisky ahead of him. Okay, Steelers Wire. So that says it all. Got but it. Did, I, I'm just making sure that we mentioned everybody. You had, I think Matt Ryan's better. So, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm. But we have him in the category with Matt Ryan, Mac Jones. There might be. Is there a backup in the AFC? <laughs> there might be. The way I'm thinking about it, though, is Ryan like, Fitzpatrick playing the AFC this year. Like the Jags wouldn't trade Trevor Lawrence for Tua. No, because of the upside. The Patriots and wouldn't the trade Mac Jones for Tua. You're asking me to bet on Tua's upside. And I don't think the Texans would trade would trade Davis Mills for Tua. Just putting that out there. I think there's a lot of question marks. And I think statement. that's the bottom line. We are all sane people that watch football. We sit in here every Sunday and watch all the games. I gamble on Dolphins games. Listen. This this year I watched him. He threw some beautiful back shoulder balls. I mean, like I saw against your Giants, he hit Devontae Parker with a couple gorgeous back shoulder balls. He put things all over the field, except for really deep against Jacksonville. I mean, like he threw for 330 in London, and that was a great game. There was a ton of games through that winning streak where at the very least he was very clean. He didn't make mistakes. But, dude, it's like... I punched your baby he he's not a deep ball thrower until he proves he is i got a good one for you yeah tua or teddy bridgewater what week is it one oh tua okay i like tua dude i like tua i want tua to succeed well and by the way mike mcdaniel and this proves my point better than anything mike mcdaniel got helped Jimmy G's had a 100 passer rating. He's turned him into a 90 passer rating, 100 passer rating guy. He's helped turn him into a 100 rating passer guy. If he can replicate that in Miami, you'll still be one a different quarterback in a year or two. People in San Francisco, well, I don't know about people in San Francisco, but nationally they've written off Jimmy G. Even if it's a, a success, I do feel like still you'll want more out of the arm arrogance of the quarterback under center in a division where you've got Josh Allen. Unless Josh Allen gets hit by a truck... Like, he's not going anywhere, dude. Unless Mac Jones gets hit by a truck. Like a fucking Peterbilt. He's not going anywhere. LA, no draft capital, had the assets to move a Jared Goff. Jared Goff, probably a similar commodity to a Tua if it doesn't work out. So maybe Miami does have I think it's a better commodity. IMHL. My humble opinion. Golf. I think it's a bet. I think no. I think Tua is a better For commodity. Sure. By so I'm just saying, if they need to move on from Tua eventually, they could do it. Nothing is injuries. Like guys, like I, I didn't ask to like lay all this bare. I mean, I didn't want to lay all this bare. It was like last night when you told me uh, t- uh, Twitter t- uh, accused me of being reek from Game of Thrones, which I didn't get because I have a dick between my legs. But I said I'm I, more I, like Bran. I said I said I have one, and it's longer than Tua's average yards per attempt. Nice. And that was funny. And yeah, I don't care if his yards per attempt was average. And I was in such a rush to to tweet the thing, but you guys don't really like facts. I mean, it's like a fucking cult, dude. I said, Jim Jones, I t- tweeted a picture of Jim Jones, uh, the, the original Jim Jones. I was like, this is Dolphins Twitter, dude. You guys are all drinking the Kool-Aid, man. Am I Bran? Is that my name? Flan? What the hell is his name? Bran? Yeah, it's Bran. Bran, yeah, I'm Bran. I'm the winner. Spoiler alert. Yeah. So you're two and on still after that whole conversation. Yeah, yeah, expect us. And maybe I'm two and on. Maybe what I just Ooh, did is admit that I'm two and on. Deep state. But can I be two and on and question his deep ball throwing ability? Because if there's a, a way that I could be two and on and still question his deep ball throwing ability, I'm in, dude. Deep fake. Could this be? Could this be like, dude? I've been talking to the head honcho dolphin. I told him to meet me in Temecula, like and that he was guy. There. Yeah. So then, then he was in Temecula. Two and on deep fake because he can't throw it that far. Fucking slimy porpoise. 
Cults all operate under the notion that you can't question them. It's, it's just another cult. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if they're capable of questioning to his arm arrogance, then we can talk. And I would love to join Tunon. I feel like Big y'all, Cat's Tunon. Y'all should. Yeah. Yeah. I know. We, that's we the have meetings. You get into Tunon. We have meetings. Oh, you have Tunon meetings. Yeah. Respect us. Now, I know a lot of you might be tuning in, listening quietly. Um, a lot of you guys with um, with podcasts that you haven't found a way to monetize. Many of your Dolphins fans, I I met a lot of you this week. Probably also Miami Hurricanes fans, which explains a lot. And they also we keep t- coming back. They here. took a lot of career shots this week, and my response has been: my career, in my opinion, was great. The second one's going even better because I found a way to make money off the shit that you're doing for free. I also have a foundation, so maybe we have the, that in common, like your fins up podcast or your whatever. You know, fucking. It's like fucking pissing into a hurricane. All right. Well, we can't talk about Tua the whole time, but I will say this. We said average depth of target. We were talking about that Sports Illustrated article and why it's disingenuous to say, you know, uh, Tyreek Hill's not even a deep ball guy. He caught this many balls close to the line of scrimmage last year. This is intellectually dishonest. Average depth of target, 10.4 air yards, lowest since 2018. Previous low was 12.9 in 2019 and 2020. Okay, in 2018, it was 14.8. So look at that. Look at that difference. Okay, 10.4 yards, 14.8 yards. That's 4.4 yards. So now subtract 4.4 from 10.4. It's six. That's the difference between uh, a receiver that's depth of target is six yards, and Tyreek Hill, and the old Tyreek Hill and Tyreek Hill last year in Kansas City. So don't cherry pick fucking unless he got slow there are ways to get the ball to him deep and pump off big gainers okay he's also the highest cushion at the line of uh, scrimmage uh in kansas city last year since 2018 we all we talked about last year was cover two making them take the profit like that's what they were doing right did you guys miss that whole fucking talking point since you're so into media talking points fucking geniuses what did cinderella dolphin lose at the ball her glass flipper. That's pretty fucking good. You're going to get flamed, dude. Even though you're in two and on, they're going to be just flaming you for bad jokes. Yeah, I mean, he had 13 receptions, 20 plus yards last year. Like, that's nothing. I get it. But he had 27 a couple years ago. It's like, I don't know. Tyree can still take the top off defense, guys. When the dolphin was feeling sad, like Tua, how did the octopus make him laugh? With Ten tickles. T- t- ten tickles. Did you hear about the elderly dolphin? No. He lost his herring. These days, it seems like life forces us to be on all the time. So every now and again, it's important to stop and reset. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment, made to chill. You know, it's a hectic time of year between weddings, graduations, spring sports, and more. We're busier than ever right now. Uh, And it's my favorite season, if I'm being honest. It's a great season to take a second for ourselves in the midst of all this craziness. So this year, take a second to enjoy an ice-cold Coors Light because you deserve a beer that's made to chill, much like me. The mountains on the bottles, cans, uh, you know, like they turn blue when your beer's cold. Come on. This is a chilling beer. You always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit a reset, Just open a Coors Light. I can hear it right now. Mountain cold refreshment. 
Get Coors Light delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart by going to CoorsLight.com slash Greenlight. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is our uh, NFL draft segment now provided to you by Coors Light. Made to chill. It's made to chill. We're made to chill. Mountains are blue. Here's the thing about Coors Light. I actually really, really, really like Coors Light. Yeah. Here's what I like about Coors Light. Uh, the beer. Steve Austin. He's a wrestler. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stone Cold, 316. Yeah. You know, I didn't get the reference for a long time that his name is based off the founder of Texas, Stephen F. Austin. Oh, that's interesting. I Is it? Holy shit. Yeah, because he's like Stone Cold, 316. He's from Texas. The founder of White Texas. Correct. Well, 316, I, thought that, was, yeah. I thought that was Jesus. Bible. Is that not right? You're right. The no, 316 is, part isn't uh, applicable, but the Texas yeah, John part. 316. Yeah, that, that, the, the Bible verse, sure. But yeah, but Stephen F. Austin, I never made that connection. The lumberjacks. Uh, kind of looks like a lumberjack. Right. And not one of the dark beards. So he wasn't born Steve yeah. Austin? No, bro. Wrestlers have like fake names. No, he has like another name. His name's like Terry or something. Huh. No, that that's Hulk Hogan is Terry. Yeah, Terry Balea. Yeah. That didn't that didn't have the same ring to it. Anyways, we're talking about Coors Light. I love uh, Coors he was, Light. He was born Steven James Anderson. That's interesting. Steve Austin. Doesn't look like such an Anderson. Silver bullet, it's delicious and and if you like it cold, it can get cold. We can get you you can get cold. Mountains will tell you. So let's talk about the draft. What do you guys want to know? So these top players they're looking to get drafted they're going through the combine preparation process they're working towards the combine senior bowl team workouts and interviews to put them in the best position to be drafted and at the end of the month talk about what you went through talk about and what you think these guys how these guys prep for you know three months after their college football season ended is this for chris or me whatever add, insight you have add whatever you can Okay. About the NFL draft process you can as go an first. athlete. No, it's I don't know how much has changed since 2008 now. I mean, like, obviously the contracts have changed and that sort of thing, but it's a crapshoot. It's even a crapshoot for people at the top of the draft, unless you're like a unanimous first pick. Like, I heard things like I was going anywhere from one to six was kind of where we talked about it. And I think the, the one through six was bookended by Miami and uh and uh the jets and, right and the, the jets and golston so um went from jake long to golston and and you know and, and everybody in there between whether it was matt ryan Darren mcfadden glenn dorsey i uh, forget who else i don't think anybody was slated um and that's the most interesting thing is you just don't know now there's some guys that'll have a good idea of where they're going like the night before the draft i found out where i was going i got a call from scott lanahan in a bathroom stall. Not he wasn't in a bathroom stall. I was in a bathroom stall because my I had my friends up to have a draft party, and we were at this restaurant, and everybody came up there. Doctor Fax was up there, uh, some former teammates, Clint Sintum, you know, a whole bunch of dudes. Kevin Ogletree was up there. Needless to say, I had to get out of the the mix to go to go take the call, and Jay Glazer was at the party, and to Jay's credit, he was in the know. And he told me, Scott Lenahan told me on the phone that like they were going to pick me in the morning. Well, so, wait, wait, wait. Jay Glazer told you before the phone call? He was like, I want you to talk to Scott Lenahan on the phone. 
So he was the connective tissue between me and, and Scott Linehan. So I knew that, you know, it, I was going to fold the two. Miami had their guy in Jake. Had Miami already signed him? Uh, no. No, it wasn't quite so that a, foregone. Okay. And I think what's interesting is through this whole thing, you have to sell yourself as being the first pick. And I decided not to do that. My answer was always, and Kayvon Thibodeau's had a totally different answer. And I, and again, like I, I wish I was that guy that, that just know I, that knew I was, I'm the best thing, you know, since sliced bread. Like I'm me, bro. I'm going to give you everything I have. I'm going to scratch and claw for it, but I don't know if uh, I'm the best player in the draft. We'll play it out. And that was kind of my response to most teams. Like, listen, I'm not here worried about anybody else. I'm worried about me. So, you know, like, am I going to be the best player in the draft? We'll see, but uh, I'm going to be the best player I can be. Thibodeau's answer, Thibodeau's answer, uh, Kayvon's. Kayvon's answer was, I think it's an insult to think that anybody could be better than me in this draft. And considering the depth of defensive end and even the top end kind of talent, uh, maybe if I'm KT, I'm like, yeah. I mean, like they can't do what I can do physically. Um, and honestly, that attitude doesn't concern me. It really doesn't. I'm going to look at his tape. That's what I'm going to look at as I get ready to make a decision that's gonna, you know, alter the trajectory of a franchise in in big and small ways. Interview process is weird though now. I mean, like, you're gonna be asked a lot of interesting direct questions, and I don't think all of them are about the answer to the question. I think most of them are about gauging the reaction, which was in the NFL, there was an older practice that's kind of been exposed now because players have platforms of them just asking outlandish questions. Like, just ridiculous questions. I don't think they can do that as much anymore. They don't have the cover. Uh, I get in spirit why you might ask a guy something just totally fucking outlandish, like asking Jake Long when the last time he did heroin was or whatever it was. I don't know. Don't don't quote me. There was a guy that was asked something like that. Like I haven't done heroin. I've only done Coors Light. Easy answer. Uh, that, that was my answer. I was like, Coach, I just drink Coors Light. Good, clean, fun. But that's the type of stuff that they'll ask you to see if you're fucking squeamish or like if you if you'll like squirm in the chair and i remember like weird things now like herm edwards sitting in the bathroom <laughs> i've talked about this every time we talk about the draft herm edwards sitting in the bathroom in the back of the meeting room they're asking me all these questions the head coach is sitting in the bathroom facing like the mirror he's not even like really like listening to the meeting and i wondered now like years later when i hear about all these crazy fucking questions if that's just a thing to see if i'm going to react to the coach just looking like i'm medusa did you have a any type of coach or some kind of person helping prep for those questions, were they telling you this is the best kind of answer? So a lot of time your agent might prep with you. Like I had signed an agent that was very like hands off. He was all about getting the contract done. I didn't sign like a Drew Rosenhaus type agent that's gonna be like intimately involved in everything you do. Uh, I wanted that for a number of reasons. Number one, that's just not really my style. Number two, like there's less of a chance that you have some issue with another player. Uh, my agent, Marvin Demoff, Marvin Demoff didn't have any players really anymore. It was just me, and then it was eventually my brother, and he had represented a lot of players back in the day. So I didn't have an agent that was kind of training me. It wasn't like a holistic program to get ready for the draft for me. I went up to train in New Jersey. There was certainly some, hey, this is how you're going to be cross-examined. But largely, I just kind of let it fly. And I think now, though, it's become such a science that guys are, are in these like kind of pods, learn, like being asked mock questions, 
reacting to them, kind of getting to know scouting almost the interview process as you'd scout running the 40. I think in some ways it's just as important. I think you're going to run the 40 how you're going to run the 40. I think that you can train your ass off to put lipstick on a pig in a situation like that, but it's still going to be, you know, if you're a 4'8 guy, they're not going to have you running a 4'4. You might shave a tenth off. That might help you get drafted. But in these close races at the top of the draft, the tie goes to the guy that can that can interview well. I really do believe that. Would you have done anything differently? Yeah. Bombed. <laughs> Middle of the first. Middle of the first. Decent team. Now that's that's funny, but you wouldn't have actually done that. I don't know. Probably not. Would you, you probably could have like, throttled back to like I'm a four nine. I'm a big thing, yeah. Just like yeah, like I did in the pace car yesterday, which we'll talked to Nate in a second about. But like, I uh, I might have took a little a little off the gas. No, I honestly, if I could have done something differently, I wouldn't have run. It's an interesting thing when you're getting ready to run your forty, and this is not a lie. I ran a four five eight on AstroTurf in turf shoes, and I'm not talking about like like the, the the Puma type really lightweight ones, I had like normal cross training turf shoes on, like stuff that I would wear. And so I was doing that up at Paris and I ran like a four, five, eight laser. And so I thought to myself, like if I can run a four, five, eight, this is gonna be awesome. And they're like, you're gonna run even faster as they do with anybody, put on these, you know, really lightweight sprinter shoes, no socks, nothing. I don't run in lightweight narrow shoes like that's not a thing you feel naked in those things i've worn insoles my whole career because i had flat feet um that's a thing that like i probably might have done over was just wear some regular shoes i probably would have put some shorts on before i went out to run uh because i i wore white tights and didn't think about the fact that like johnson johnson chris jones you know what i mean yeah so uh there were a few things maybe when it came to the the interview process and the combine that I changed, but it's it's tough. They're gonna find you where they want you. It worked out. Love, love Edward. Now Jones. the green room is 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 it's a funny deal. It's a really funny deal. Everybody's sitting there super tense. You know, just even like who do you invite is a tense thing. Yeah, I didn't. know. I, I mean, I, no, I, had, I had a that horse was in race. one of our dips, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Did you turn me down? Did I? Invite no, you? no, no, no. Okay. I was at Foxfield. I would have turned you down. I almost. If I would have done it over, I would have gone to Foxfield. It's a horse race here, uh, and honestly, leading up to the draft, you know me. I was like, I do it differently. I'm not like going to the draft. Like, who wants to be the guy sitting in the green room giving the NFL free footage? They should honestly pay the players and maybe they do at this point, to show up to the draft because, I mean, like, I know they could sell it as, like, this is romantic, this is great B-roll, this is something that uh, you're gonna want the rest of your life. Like, that's what fucking camera phones are for. I don't need, you know, footage of Roger Goodell panning back and panning back to me staring at all my friends getting picked. Like, there's no upside for kids. And I know that some people might not like me saying that, but I really might have just stayed home and done a Joe Thomas thing because that was originally the plan. I was talked out of it. Coors Light, baby. I had some Coors Light that night. I had some Coors Light the night before. That's the hardest thing is being hung over during the draft because you better believe most people are going out the night before. I saw you wore uh, sunglasses at Richmond. Get into that. I did wear sunglasses at Richmond. We're going to bring on Nate Collins here, Dr. Fax, for just a moment. Uh, to talk about NASCAR yesterday. Megan's got to sell some real estate. His watch has ended. Bram? Bran? Bran. I think all, I'm Bran. All Bran. Bobby Labonte. Bobby Labonte. Go fast. 
If you're in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, New York, Michigan, Tennessee, or Virginia, and you haven't tried the WinBet app yet, I got great news for you. WinBet is now offering $200 in free bets for new users. That's right, 200 big ones. WinBet is basically giving you free money. Don't pass it up. Download the WinBet app today. Terms and conditions apply. Must be 21 or older and present in a state where WinBet is available. Gambling problem? In Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. In Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia, call 1-800-GAMBLER. And in Michigan, 1-800-270-7117. Tennessee, y'all too. 1-800-889-9789. Hey, hard right turn. Let's talk about NASCAR. Left turn, bro. Left turn. Let's talk oh, about NASCAR, baby. Whole, whole lot of left turns. Bro, I had so much fun. That was... I just want to say this. We went to NASCAR yesterday with WinBet. The way I got wrestling when we went to wrestling last week, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is what it's about. I, I got NASCAR. Everybody I met at NASCAR, like in the infield, drivers, pit crews, Shout out to Kip, the guy who coached me up on the pace car because I drove the pace car for people that don't know. Right down to the the firefighters in one of the pit crews that I met, to to Nicole who showed us around, to the entire crew, to meeting Joe Gibbs. I got to meet Joe Gibbs. Like everybody was so nice. I I, re- I met the president of Darlington Raceway, dude. He invited us down, like no problem. This is a really cool sport. Yeah, NASCAR fans are NASCAR fans are different, but it's it's. To me, it's similar to like the rodeo crowd. Yeah. And it's more of like everyone's there to kind of have a good time and you're more focused. It's a competition, but you're more focused on the rider or like the person that yeah, yeah. you like or cheer for yeah, yeah. or a couple of guys. So it's not like a angry like <laughs> Raiders crowd. No, it's not Raiders. Like, yeah, it's like, not Raiders uh, or Niners. Niners, or like, that, like that yeah. type of situation. Ricky Stenhouse, who's my maybe my side driver. Martin Truex <laughs> Jr., my main driver. I'm wearing the hat right now. I got the merch. I made the decision on the fly. He's from New Jersey. I hear he's an Eagles fan. I also picked him. I boosted the odds on win bet, and he damn near, he, he was in first for a little bit, but Ricky Stenhouse Jr., he'll wreck people. And I need like to root for a guy like that <laughs> because he's like a wrestling heel. Supposedly they don't even refer to him by his name. They just say like whatever his number is, which I haven't learned yet. But Martin okay. Truex Jr. is number 19. <laughs> this is how cool my day was. I'm there to drive the pace car. But to sum it all up, when we were at the merch tents and you guys saw me, I was like, who? I'm walking to these different trucks. I'm like, who's going to be my guy? Who's going to be my guy? I'm yep. making the decision on the spot. I pick Martin Truex Jr. I get a FedEx diecast, and that's Denny Hamlin who won the race yesterday. I give that to Luke, and I give Waylon the Bass Pro Shops diecast of Martin Truex Jr. Then we're in this tent where, by the way, there's a ton of NASCAR drivers in there. Yep. They're just all floating around 30 minutes before the race in their uniforms. Like Bubba uh, Wallace, you got a picture uh, with Bubba Wallace. I got a picture you got... with Bubba and my man Joe Logano. That, Joe Logano. That all my friends from back in Connecticut had to inform me that he is from Connecticut. And so maybe I'll start rooting for him, hometown. You met those guys. They're like, imagine if somebody was going to a football game to see us play. They don't get that kind of access. These guys are not that relaxed before the game. I was the pace car driver. I'm walking out right before the NASCAR guys. Like, I'm walking out of a smoke tunnel over a bridge. Yeah, you did. Yo, by the way, by the way, 
not gonna lie, scale of one to ten, your red carpet was a, it was a little awkward. No, I, I would smooth. say it was in the six range. Really? Yeah, you were you were you were trying to get out of there. You were Yeah, I don't play up, I don't play up who I am. I'm the pace car driver. I mean, but like you bro, you gotta show like I'm the fucking pace car driver, dude. I'm the guy who's I'm the I'm the honorary captain from <laughs> from some charity that they brought in, dude. Like like literally i'm the pace car driver anyways before we came out that red carpet we're in this tent which was awesome mm -hmm. and in there are these guys walking around I, I meet joe gibbs because we're football people and they wanted us to meet talk to joe gibbs by the way nicest guy in the world he's sharp dude and he's just not slowing down at all he loves what he does he you know he's involved with toyota i mean gibbs racing all that stuff um, yeah, he owns one of the most successful teams in NASCAR history. Yeah, I mean, he's mm. a legend in NASCAR and football. And so I get a chance to meet him. And as we're gabbing away, I look up and Martin Trex Jr. is standing there with his hands on his hips in his fucking jumpsuit. And I'm like, holy shit, are you Martin Trex Jr.? <laughs> You're my favorite race car driver as of today. And he's like, that'd be me with a smile. I'm like, aren't you a little bit of an Eagles fan? He's like, yep. And I'm like, oh, man, this is so awesome. I got your die cast, the whole thing. My kids are going to have it. But that kind of access... And that kind of personability from everybody in NASCAR, like the day of a big race, like like the Toyota 400, the Toyota owners 400 in Richmond, uh, is a really cool thing. But I, I sat back and I thought about this, and because NASCAR is more of like a sponsor sport, like realistically, that's part of their job. Like yes, no, like anyone you meet, like is a, is a potential sponsor, and if you're smart, you can't really stereotype and not engage with everyone not knowing if someone's a potential sponsor or if someone wants to give money now i to get your that cause. maybe they think i'm gonna buy the next racing team hey, maybe, but like at the end of the day going on a racing team. but look what if that was what if yesterday was the start of you really getting into it and eventually you do or your your kids get Listen, into it i'm so into it that you, you never say never but we got to meet daniel suarez who's oh, from mexico and awesome. which was really cool because it's one thing to meet a lot of these these american racers um, you know, you're kind of like, you, you, you come up early in this stuff. You might have a connection. You might have somebody, there's a lot of families that race and that sort of thing. Daniel Suarez is like just getting out of the mud, you know, in Mexico, like there's no Pete. I asked him who was his most like helpful, you know, person. He's like, there's a few, but it's really hard. The most, it's really hard to come into the sport, like not being an American. And like when he was 18, he was just he, no, was he was just racing in the streets in Mexico. Like, I don't mean in the streets. I just mean like he was doing street races or he was doing like these yeah. different kinds of. And so it's just so interesting. We went in his like his his pit garage, basically. It's like his locker room. And these things are fucking outfitted, you know, soup to nuts with everything these guys need. And they're just sitting back there before the races, like in the infield, right in, in the middle of the track. There's a line of trailers and those are all. They, they sit across from where these guys' bays are. And by the way, the garage bays, Kyle told me this, and Kyle went with us, who's not here today because he had a baby. Again, shout out Congrats, to Kyle. Congrats, Kyle. Big dad vibes. But also, uh, Kyle told me that when you win, like you get the closest bay, and when you lose, when you're not doing as well, you get the furthest away bay. Mm. So like you got to walk past all the winner's bays, like um, Blaney, who I'll talk to you about in a minute, who was like the, the number one in pole position, had the closest bay, I think. Mm -hmm. No, actually, it's the guys who win the cup the year before. So it's like more of a cumulative thing. And on the road the next year, I think you get you get that order in the in the garage bay. That's right. And this weekend, you get to pick your pit stall based on that weekend's qualifying. 
and Kyle knows a shitload about NASCAR, but he didn't know to get out of the way of that one car. No, he didn't. That's the funniest thing about Kyle. Was like, he's like a NASCAR expert. He's also he he'll talk to anybody. He'll talk to a stranger. Like he'll just make friends with anybody. So half the time, you know, he's his head's over he here. Was it's over very there. He's excited. He's yesterday. very excited. He's at NASCAR. He's a legit NASCAR fan, and he's you know doing all this. Guys, you don't want to do this. You don't want to do that. And we're standing there in that row between the Daniel Suarez's uh, you know kind of like pit locker, and then on the other side, like where the the car sets. There's a line. Of, of asphalt that people use to walk, but there's also these race cars that get pushed through by the pit crews, yep. you know, an hour or two before the race. Kyle's sitting there just his head in the clouds, and I hear, watch out! There's, like, people yelling at Kyle. Kyle had to move because he was the guy that broke the unwritten rule. Like, he was the guy that stood in the wrong place. And, man, he took that pretty well for a guy that was <laughs> was telling us the do's and don'ts of NASCAR the entire day. But And then we were on uh, pit road. And he was emulating the uh, crew and jumping around, jumping over the wall and everything. And then a backup pace car pulled up behind him. Oh, no. He almost got hit by a pace car, too? Yes. I think you were driving when it happened. Oh, no. (laughs) Well, let's talk about that because I think next time if we do do a NASCAR event, I think we have to try to see if the Greenlight crew, if we can maybe get a pit time. Yeah. And then maybe we'll that's fast something, we can change that's something that they can like. We could try to make a competition. You're really between, good. Yeah, between podcasts. Pods. Actually, like, raw raw, first, well, yeah, raw room. We'll call them out. Busting We're gonna with do the an Olympics boys. with the raw room guys. There was a record yesterday. The fastest pit stop uh, in history. A four car pit stop. Uh, Kyle it was, Bush. It was Kyle Bush. How how fast? It's like eleven seconds. I think it was under ten. I got checked. Yo, it's like, insane. I took a picture of it. By the way, good job getting the free steak. You always make sure you get a free steak. <sighs> Bro, like, hey, listen. We were we walked right into this hospitality tent. And Nate was like clasping his hands, just like like Birdman. Hey, you have to. Uh, hey, hey, when you're in a suite, you 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 have to do things right so you don't look too crazy. So once I got up to the table, you have to read, which I think a lot of people don't do. They just kind of look at what the food mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. instead of reading the labels. And after reading the labels, I seen that. The sirloin steak was not out yet. So instead of just diving in like everyone did, I opted to wait. Yeah. And I probably got the two best pieces of the steak. Good for you. You always make sure you do. I thought that was great. And you got to ride in the pace car with me. The whole reason we were there was I was driving the pace car. And, you know, like I never really understood pace cars. I've watched NASCAR before. Like I'm not like totally ambivalent here. Like I've watched NASCAR. Yeah. But. I did not know that there was so much that went into that pace car thing. And so until... It's I, way tougher than doing the coin toss. Oh, 1,000%. I got to drive a car. Until, and until you did it, standing with Matt on that landing and actually watching it unfold and seeing, oh, you actually do need this pace car because at the end of the day, you have to have a chance for all these cars mm-hmm. to get out at once. And in my mind, I was like, oh... It wasn't until you started and you see it forming what's happening that I'm like, oh, he's going to be taking like a few laps. Dude, this because- is like a crucial thing <laughs> yeah. for them to start correctly. Like I get in the car, Kip's like, what do I got to know? He's like, I'm going to tell you everything I need to know. This guy's wearing like, you know, a, <laughs> basically a pit crew, full jumpsuit, got the helmet, got the stuff in, and I'm just strapping a seatbelt on. I got Kyle in the back seat. You know, we're making practice runs first thing when we get there. And I'm kind of nervous because you know you don't want to fuck it up. 
Dale Jr. told me in the interview the other day, wait till you look in the rear view and see all these guys. I think it's like 27,000 horsepower or something. Somebody was telling me behind me at once. It's like fucking rolling thunder. It's like it's like days of thunder. It's like it's like elephants in your rearview mirror, dude. And 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 I didn't get that until we went on the real run. When you're doing the pace car practice, you're learning to get to 40 miles an hour. Just stay there. You realize that the the the, the track is pitched, so like it's like walking up a hill. It's way more pronounced than on TV. And Richmond is a short track which tells you that the pitch isn't as much as like a, one of these speedways. They say if you go to one of these speedways, it's like walking up a big fucking pitched hill. Um, the angle is just insane. But that makes for a really fun ride. It's unlike anything I've ever done before. Yes, it's a Toyota Camry, but it's a souped-up Toyota Camry, Yo, dude. first off, that Toyota was the Camry TRD? Yeah. Can we, can, we get, can, we get, can we get one of those? Can we can we can we get can we get a couple of those? Wrap them. A couple of them. I got to see what the price tag is. I think TRD makes them a little more expensive. But, but bottom yo, line, I'm doing for free. We were doing sixty around those curves. Yeah, and that felt like you know, like being in a fighter jet or something because of the way you're pitched down and because Before, you never take sixty mile per hour turns. Like go bro, sixty on an on ramp and tell me how you feel. Dude. I don't know if you guys got to do it. I have a video, but before we left. We actually went and stood down, like right near where all the mm-hmm. people in the yellow were, on, near the fences. Yeah, and coming around turn one and two to feel that when they're going like one twenty, one thirty, unbelievable. Like you could, you can kind of like taste rubber in your mouth, bro. There was a crash; <laughs> I could smell it in the suite. Yeah, like through the yeah. wall, and 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 like it's just insane. So to have all that responsibility behind you and to drive the pace car. When I drove the pace car in practice, I realized how much of a badass sport this is. These guys do 120 miles per hour going around these turns, and they're like 20 deep in some of these races. Like somewhere like Martinsville, it's like a bunch of fucking cars close together. There's no margin for error. I'm trying to keep it steady. There's nobody on the track. So we get back. Everybody's like, oh, good job. Kip's like, you want to do a hot run? And I'm like, fuck yeah. So then we really rip it. Yeah, I got and in the car that's when for I was, that. Yeah, you did you get, did you, I'm going to ask, did you get dizzy at all? No, no. Yo, I'm, no. I'm going to say. I wanted more. I wanted more. And so when I got out there, and it was time to go. I felt prepared. I pulled off. Uh, I get out in front of the cars. In fact, Blaney, the guy who on our Twitter was the number one in pole position, I said, hey, I heard Blaney might bump me. Fuck around and find out. What I'm going to do, Blaney, is I'm going to take the high road because I respect the sport. I'm not going to do anything to you. I don't know if he saw that or not, but he walked by me on uh, in pit row right before the start of the match. <laughs> the fucking race. Uh, right before the race i'm thinking soccer i'm thinking blaney blaney is like i'm gonna be on your shit or something like that like with a smile and i'm like oh it's you you know because i didn't recognize him and i was like you better and so we get out there and i'm going and i look in the rearview mirror and sure enough you know i said the al callings (laughs) thing i felt like al callings like driving that bronco like it was like that but race cars and uh and 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 kyle was oj simpson and uh and and it's just (laughs) it was just it was just incredible it was like primal dude the first lap i'm like this is fucking cool then blaney bumps me dude he's like blaney's about to bump you i look in the rearview mirror and blaney's like 
I don't even feel it. I'm like, when's he going to bump me? I'm like, bump me, Blaney. And he's like, he already did bump you. <laughs> like, they're so good at just like controlling these cars. He just tapped me with a fucking racehorse, dude. And I didn't even feel it. And then, you know, they're swerving in the background. I'm like, they're doing that for me. They're fucking yeah. with me. Turns out they're just getting their tires broken. But it's all so fucking, it's primal, dude. By the end of it, um, there's a, a left turn you have to make. You're driving in a circle. I'm totally disoriented. I don't know which lap I'm on. I don't know when the left turn is. I just told Kip, I said, I'm very literal. You need to tell me exactly when, when I need to turn yeah. left. And no no sooner and no later. You okay. need to tell me not like, not like, like oh, like the next, like like, the second left. Like, yeah, and the, ne the, the, like, the third light make a right. Exit on the left. Yeah. And it's like this exit or the next exit. Yeah. Kip, <laughs> Kip, like Kyle was in the back seat. And I guess he felt like he was playing chicken with a train because Kyle's like, Getting ready to be like, turn left, Chris. Yeah. And we get to the, to the pit turnoff, and Kip's like, left. And I just rip Whip it left. And he did tell me that when you turn left, the coolest fucking thing happens. You're driving along in pit row, and to the right, out there on the track, they just whiz by, and it is on, dude. And when that happened, I just couldn't help but let out a primal scream, dude. That shit is like, that shit is drugs, dude. That shit is drugs. And and NASCAR is a sport. There's some great Gro GoPro video of that exact moment. You coming down pit road, everybody firing up their yeah. engines, and you hollering, Ooh. getting excited. So well, no, I mean, like, it was one of the, the highlights of the day. And I just said NASCAR is a sport. We know that. NASCAR drivers are athletes. Okay, when they go out there to that fucking match, it's an athletic endeavor. I don't know if anybody disagrees with me. I'm happy to debate this, but I really do think if you're going to call certain athletes athletes, you got to call NASCAR drivers athletes, man. No disrespect to golf. Everybody's clamoring to watch that sport and those athletes this weekend. Um, you know, ping pong, shit like that. I'm not saying these are the bottom feeder sports, but these guys are controlling race cars going, you know, 200 miles an hour and they're losing, you know, 10, 15 pounds in a race. They're pissing themselves because they can't get out of their car. My guy only has a monster energy drink all morning, Kip, and he's driving the pace car, dude. These guys are controlling with their, their arms and their, their pecs and their fucking the little muscles, the big muscles, these huge death machines, dude. You know what I think doesn't get talked about enough? What? Is the fact that there's no brake lights. <laughs> and yeah, like, dude, that's crazy. There's no brake lights. And can you imagine driving without brake lights, seeing the person? If you have bad depth perception, like to kind of have to feel out, hey, how fast I'm going <laughs> and how, how yeah. much I need to let up and yeah. to see how close the person behind me is. Yeah. Because if I'm slamming on my brakes they can't tell Bro, that ricky stenhouse you don't want to drive behind ricky stenhouse <laughs> in the sunny d car no hit the brakes you know that's the reputation there but i never thought about that it's just like i i, I was thinking about it there just like yo there's no brake lights and like it's probably subconscious to right. everyone who drives now that you pay attention to the person's brake lights in front of you or while you're driving so that you don't, like, if you totally. need to stop short or whatever it, it may be. My wife doesn't, but totally. <laughs> uh, there's a massive amount of trust involved between those drivers to, like, not, to, like, not wreck each other, drive within a half car's length. And that's why they hate Stenhouse, because they don't trust him. And that's what Dale talked about. On uh, Friday's episode, he talked about how now it makes sense. A, a crazy amount of trust. You guys are dealing with such powerful cars that they all trust each other out there. NASCAR is like a really intense pickup game. You got to know who you're playing with is what it sounds like. You got to know, is this guy, when I leave my feet, 
gonna wreck me into the wall or you know like finish through on the layup like they did in that college basketball game this year i forget who did that but that was totally fucking classless yeah um and no no doubt they're athletes but i was kind of shocked by how small some of them were no question no question they 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 are smaller guys uh but you think about it they got to fit in that fucking thing it's not like I don't think it's like jockey small, but no. Nah, and I saw him talking to Kyle, so the juxtaposition might yeah, be part of it. By the way, Brad Kozlowski looks like Macon. Yep, hundred percent, one thousand percent. That's what Nate said. I mean, it was incredible. <laughs> incredible. He looked just like him. Looked That's so like funny. Him. Okay, well, that was a lot of fun. Reed Cowboy Reed had a sick, you know, Richard Petty jersey, Richard Petty jacket. a jacket. Of you. Yeah, got it off the internet. It didn't fit me, and I was like, Reed, you got to have this. Yeah, I met some yep. people from the reselling fam. That's the guy that's, that's, that was complimenting Reed on his patches, his vintage, thing, yeah, the funniest his thing vintage was, NASCAR was, patches. The funniest thing was seeing you in exchanges with the eBay community. Like you just found like all the people that sell things online somehow. Hey, and I, I did some research and actually some guys have were been talking to me on Twitter and supposedly they said I should do some research on Diecast because it's actually um, there's some big money in it. Diecasts are sick. I love yeah. it. I might get into that. I also want to shout out the guys uh, Chase and Dale from uh, Garage Guys from podcast. Garage Guys podcast NASCAR gambling. Yeah, podcast. people bet on NASCAR, and I oh, might start doing that. Matt hey, won some money yesterday. I won some money too. Look at that, and that <laughs> makes fucking two of us. End up winning forty eight dollars. Can't complain. Good shit, man. Everybody made some money. First, first NASCAR race. Yeah, got, dude, we're off. Got to the a great ride start. in the pace car. We're off to a great start. Got we the also want to. We also want to shout out Trenton. A big follower of the Greenlight Podcast from oh, Punxsutawney, yeah, yeah. Pennsylvania. Met a guy from Punxsutawney. Oh, Turns out, groundhog, not dude. to dox you, Trenton, that people in Punxsutawney don't really fuck with the groundhog. <laughs> they said there's a different one like every year. Yeah. Like it's not even about it's the same groundhog. It's not even the same groundhog. I would get so annoyed like if I'm from a place and every time people hear that, they bring up, oh, groundhog. That, exactly. Groundhog. And I did it. I was like, where are you from? And there's this moment of silence where everybody's like, do you ask him about the groundhog or not? Like everybody from Poxitani probably has that conversation, which sucks ass. And then they probably resent the people that come in once a year because they know it's kind of stupid. They're like, the fucking groundhog doesn't really no, know not. anything. It make just some, stimulates make, our economy. They're basically, make they're some basically, money off of they're it. basically living in the Caribbean where people are like, fuck these people, dude. Like, you know, like, but yeah, keep the bills paid. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like same thing with Poxitani. Like, sure. I love when they come in every February. Bunch of idiots. What do they think is going to happen? Meteorologists can't predict the weather a day before. They think this groundhog, I mean, think about us. And I know we were going to make Groundhog Day a national holiday. That fell through. I'd rather just roast Groundhog Day. Macon's yeah. not here. He, he doesn't listen to the podcast. But if he catches wind of this, this might not be good. And you guys saw a former teammate yesterday, right? Shout out to Perry Jones. Yeah, we ran into Perry Jones and we ran into Aaron Brooks, Virginia yeah. legend. Virginia legend. New Orleans yeah. Saints. So you never know who you can see it. Big shout out to Chase Young. Chase, Chase Young, Young was there. Was there. Bro, he that guy is hell. fucking huge, bro. dude. He was in the tent. We didn't get a chance to talk to each other. I hit him up on Instagram, say like, hey, what's up, bro? I was looking for you. I couldn't catch you. I love the effort he plays the game with. He seems like a great kid. So He looks like, he looks like a giant little Dirk. <laughs> I don't know who that is, and I'm gonna people know, and but I'm he's sitting that out today. So. He's actually way bigger than what I pictured. Just like watching him play and seeing him like on the field, That's and what they say about this guy, yeah, and like <laughs> and just even like not you know like if you don't know, you might have seen a person, one player in 
in real life and you can like measure up and size people yeah, yeah. from like, hey, I've stood I've stood next to him before. I can see like how yeah, big yeah. he is. But for whatever reason, I wanted to take a picture without with him. he he kind of looks bigger <laughs> without pads than with pads. Than he dude. does with pads. If that makes if anyone no, can understand that, very rarely <laughs> is there somebody who looks bigger in pads than somebody. Out of pads, yes. like that no, looks bigger. Bigger out, out of pads, pads than, than, than he does. Pads. It's confusing. We can't even say it. Yo, it what, no when I seen him and realized who it was, I was just like, "Bro, holy. we were standing behind him. He's ahead above everybody else. He's up there in the front <laughs> row in that tent, and his traps, dude. They start up here, and then they're like they're like hills, like on the NASCAR <laughs> track. Trap guy, bro. Like it wasn't until I saw Chase Young's traps was I like, yeah, I'm just totally washed. Like, I, I never had traps like that, but if you look at me, like, the bottom of my neck, you can draw a straight line to the outside of my shoulder. And I actually work <laughs> I'm out. I'm not going to lie. I remember you saying that, and you were like, you never had traps like that, but Bayless had my traps Yeah, crazy. back in the day, we had traps. Yeah. But I'm just saying, <laughs> Chase Young, I wanted to take a picture with Chase Young, because he's what, he's what a top five defensive end looks like. I feel like <laughs> me taking pictures with a Chase Young is the best thing for, for my reputation as a scrappy, talentless No, but like, how many because years How many years apart? was ahead taller than me he's a doorway wider than me his traps start up there come all the way down i'm dude, glad this you guy did if you muscles take a, on muscles dude they're gonna do that thing they're gonna say the progression look the top look the, a top, the a top yeah exactly a top five dn and it has dude, from now and the top has, dn bro it's exactly what it is is that exactly, well what's all, in the food but also what's in all like, our, it's the food man we mean, i can take a picture we, next to mario Williams, bro, we didn't too. get the good gm gmo food when we were younger bro No, you know who i took a picture next to that made me feel just like shitty it was max crosby dude Guys, like, it made me feel like a child, bro. These are just some big cats, dude. And I really wanted to get a chance to meet Chase Young. As I said before, like, uh, I just like the effort that he plays with. I mean, he yeah. seems like a good kid. Fun player to watch. Fun player to watch, as, man. A, as both as D-line. Good D-line. Good yeah. D-line. You know, like, I've talked about Montez Sweat being pretty awesome and, my, and not getting enough credit. But Chase Young, I think he's going to have a bounce back here. As me being a a, a former try-hard guy, not saying like he's try hard, but he's he a guy hard, like no matter what the score is, like if he's on the field, he it, it, if it's going to be on tape, I'm playing hard. That and, is why and I you like can, him. And you can always respect that. That is why I like him. We can have conversations about pass rush and all that stuff, but yep. I'm going to keep it as simple as possible. Chase Young plays his fucking ass off yep. and he seems like a good kid. So, and they're going to need him to be a leader in Washington. Oh, I, yeah, I think he's going to be a leader. I think he's going to, he, I think he's going to emerge like one of the premier players in the league. I think, like you're saying, he, he's a kid that seems like he has a clean image. He plays exactly. hard. He exactly. plays the game well. And usually, um, when that happens, the the game gives back, and hopefully he's he's going to be one of those guys. Oh, fast first, pasta! Yeah, our first favorite racer. Yes, Anthony Alfredo. We met Anthony Alfredo. Uh, he was down there, and he he uh, ran into me and Kyle on pit row, and we both tweet with Anthony and text with him. So shout out to him. Now I feel like we got buddies in um in in the racing community, and and the new coach for Virginia Tech was there. Uh, Brent Pry. Yeah, I shook his um, hand and told him. We shook his hand, told him wahoo wah, and then I saw him walk over to a baby that was asking for an autograph, and he just punched it. <laughs> yeah, I think I did see that. He followed through with that punch. Yeah, too. that was it. Was like the campaign. Yeah, he might have did that, that, but on purpose. I think he did that hokey gobble after he did it. Too. Yeah, he did the hokey gobble, stood over the baby. I mean, I think he. I think I saw he, him littering on the red carpet. He littered. At, yeah. He threw trash on the flag. 
Yep. And then insulted all the high school football coaches in the state of Virginia. Told told us how stupid they are. He said that the Tidewater area is really bad. He said like Tidewater and there's down. no talent down there. He also huh. said NASCAR wasn't a sport. Yep. NASCAR's not a sport. What else did Brent Pry say? Oh man! No, honestly, I want to be serious because what I've learned the last week is that some people are really fucking stupid. Yeah. Uh, just in dealing with some of these these two specific conversations, but um, Brent Pry was really a nice guy, dude, and I've heard great things about him. And I hope the rivalry's back to like it's a rivalry again at some point. You know, it's going to take us winning some games, but it also takes having two really good coaches at the same time in Tony Elliott and Brent Pry, like. Two classy guys. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. No, it's cool. And I, I started to think about it. I might in the future want to go to um, agricultural school. Yeah. Like, so I might think about doing VTech. What do you want to grow? Um, you know. All right. But but not not Share only that like wealth, it, like I want to have a farm at some point kind of like like Rick Ross and get some animals and stuff. But oh, and that's I, one I, more thing. Dynamite segue. Dynamite segue to Rick Ross. Rick Ross last week went on the Full Send podcast and said that he wants to climb Kilimanjaro. And you texted me and said, hey, check this out. So Rick Ross, I just want to tell you, dude, if you want to get to the top of that mountain, I'm sure you could do it without us, but we have a pretty good track record of getting football players up, mixed martial artists, veterans. I think that'd be dope. Like, I think it'd be dope content. I think it'd be for, like, you have a great cause that you do it for, and I think that... I know we're not famous enough to get Rick Ross But why not? I mean, on the the show, he said that he's doing it. Like, he doesn't have... He didn't say anything was behind it. He said he just wants to do it, and hey, what what better way? We'll bring the wing stop. We'll bring the pairs. Everything. Fuck, I'll help push you up to the top, dude. Like, I pushed Haloti not up to the top. Like, he was a Ford Ranger. If you get tired, <laughs> we'll fucking, we'll carry you up there, dude. We we want everybody to get to the top if they're physically able. So, Rick Ross, I'm sure you'll crush it with or without us. But uh, if you want to go with a bunch of football players, uh, I bet you we can get this done easy. Shout out to Rick Ross. Hey, definitely come climb the mountain with, with the water boys. And if I could kiss up for a second, I think Rick Ross is the best curator of great production. He picks all the time, best and he's stuff. one of the best rappers oh, of all time. Definitely in our generation. Yeah. So, and you know what's exciting? He's starting to. I, I I think at some point in my life, if it keeps going, I want to go down and check it out. He's starting um, his own um, car show, and it's I think it's coming up soon, and it seems like it's going to be a big Dunks. deal. Like. Everything, yeah. everything. I think he was just promoting. He has like an old school fire truck, and he has all type of cars. So well, he's got the shout out to him. Garage space down there. Everything. <laughs> I'm telling you, man. You come back from Kelly, you you might be like, I don't need this house, bro. Like it's spiritual experience, bro. You might change your whole your whole deal. All right. So that was it. Uh, got a lot done today. We will be back Friday. Uh, I think we got a pretty special guest. So um, hold on, huh? For tonight, who you got tonight? Oh, I already As said I got Rock Chalk, Jay Hawk. Oh, How Jay about Hawk. you? That's what I had. Yeah, Shout man, out. That was, my, that was my pick. Let's put him big. That was my pick. Hey, congratulations on Duke losing. You don't have to get a Duke tattoo. Oh, man. So we're all in the clear. All that. Nobody made any money. Nobody. In fact, the only person that would have made money is me. I, I rolled UNC on the money side. But yeah, I know. Yeah. Sorry, sorry everyone that was hoping. We've got some for you. Okay, cool. Hey, That'll be consolation. Sorry, sorry for everyone that was hoping on... Um, the tattoo. Better yet. I wasn't. 
Yeah, I certainly I, wasn't. I don't think anybody in this room was hoping you had to get a tattoo. And if we're doing that again in the future, more money if we're doing it again. What, in the for one, more money, and during the draft and all events, all parties need to be present because I don't like I didn't like the blind just showing up and being like I Duke was pulled for me. It, it worked out, bro. I promise I, you. I did not want to root for Duke to win, so if you think this is something that I wanted to have happen, there's video footage of us just fucking rolling that that bingo machine and pulling Duke out for you, dude. I'm sorry I went down that way. Next year, I hope you get somebody you like. Oh, it was great watching them lose, too, by the way. Oh, uh, wasn't it? I think watching Gonzaga lose was, like, the biggest sweat of my entire life. I mean, that would have been a, a pretty easy tattoo. Get a German Shepherd. Yeah, but I don't have any tattoos. And Mark don't Few and want German Shepherd. Tattoos. Mark Few and German and a German Shepherd in the front seat. Ten and two. You know, like I'm driving the pace car. Um, this would- or Adam Morrison's mustache. I'm gonna let you go with the sounds from Nate Collins TikTok. How fast do you think they are going? Oh no, you did not do that. How fast do you think they are going? Yo, that was cool being right there. I can't take me back, bro. Take <laughs> I know. me back. Joe Gibbs, put me in a car. Y'all take care. <laughs>